So as a medical herbalist, we treat a wide range of things, anything from sleeplessness, raised blood pressure, um, shingles, all sorts of different things. That was Helen from Elder Farm, a medical herbalist who joined us on the podcast this week. This week we've got Cardiff Flower Show coming up. Uh, This podcast is going out uh, around about three days before we head off and do that, and we're really looking forward to that. The start of the year, especially when it comes to shows, is always nerve-wracking. It's both exciting and a little bit nerve-wracking as well, mainly because of weather. Uh, Now, I know you struggle with weather in your garden as well. The issue is we struggle with it on the nursery as well. Getting the plants ready on time especially this early in the season so much is down to weather Um, i'm very very pleased with the plants that we've managed to get ready for the show Um, lots of herbs we're not going to be displaying our chilies at this show although we have some for sale it's just the display plants just aren't big enough basically Um, but we've got quite a nice nice big stand at this show Um, i'm actually not attending it so if you're off to cardiff flower show the rhs cardiff show make sure you come and say hello um my dad's going to be there um so say hello to him and yeah it's a really really nice display we're just struggling with getting plants big enough this time of year it's always when you when you sign up for these shows in the autumn it's always a bit nerve-wracking uh, you're never going to know what the weather's like this time last year we had snow on the ground it's been much much nicer this year obviously but the interesting thing is there's been snow just yesterday, only 10 miles away. Um, even though we live in probably the warmest part of the country at the moment, uh, it's still not great. And light levels are what we're really, really struggling with. So, yeah, we're looking forward to doing that. Everything else uh, on the nursery is growing really, really quickly. We're, we're mainly a greenhouse nursery, so the plants are coming along nicely. All the hanging basket plants, uh, all the herbs obviously are growing well well and the chilies um the ones for chelsea are in a growing room at the moment so they've got loads and loads of heat on them uh, plus some lights as well um, and they're all set aside and growing really really nicely so you can check some of the pictures and videos we've done on instagram and youtube there if you want to have a look at them so without further ado let's start the podcast hi you're listening to plants and me the podcast that is all about plants gardening and the people who are passionate about them with your host alan lodge today on the podcast i'm joined by helen from elder farm helen is a qualified medical herbalist she trained at the university of east london and graduated with a bsc in 2012 since 2015 helen and her husband stuart have been living at elder farm in devon which is around about five acres in size Elder Farm is a fully organic farm and is now the Ecological Cooperative's first UK site and we talk over exactly what that is. Helen and Stuart mainly grow herbs on the farm but they also grow other things as well for companion planting and to encourage beneficial insects as well as to feed their bees that they keep which they're hoping to get a harvest from this year after two years of keeping them. Helen Stewart also have two clinic spaces in close towns, one in Wellington, Somerset and another in Tiverton in Devon where they sell medicine, talk over what they do as well as selling some teas, soaps and much much more. So welcome to the podcast Helen. Hello. Hello, nice of you to come along. No problem at all. Thank you. So Helen, tell me a little bit about yourself um, and what you do. Okay, my name's Helen Kearney and I'm a medical herbalist. 
I live at Elder Farm, which is a five-acre soil association registered herb farm. Um, we're also completely off-grid and I trained as a medical herbalist at the University of East London. I graduated in 2012 and I've been in practice since then. We moved to our small holding four years ago and we grow lots of different medicinal herbs that I use to make into medicines as well as a range of over-the-counter products. Oh, brilliant. And tell, tell us a little bit about a medical herbalist. What, what does that term really mean? So that term refers to the level of training that a herbalist has undergone. Um, I did a BSc. It's very similar to a medical degree, except the drugs that we prescribe are plant-based. Right, okay. So would there be any drugs that we, we know of that are plant-based, but wouldn't class as, as a sort of herbalist-type uh, remedy? Yep, so lots of pharmaceutical medications started off originally as herbs. So things like foxglove, digitalis, that mm. has become digioxin. So it's the active chemical is isolated and then synthesised to turn into a medicine. There's things like willow, salic species, that mm. contains aspirin-like constituents. So that's where aspirin was um, originally synthesized well they first discovered it within willow oh interesting and what made you want to do it so i had a grandmother with a garden so growing up i was with my gran a lot um i had a love of plants and being outdoors from her really and then um grew up got married had children how do you treat your children when they've got nappy rash or teething mm. and i just found things like calendula cream or chamomile tea and that sort of sparked my interest right okay uh, that's interesting for me i've got an 11 month old so right. <laughs> <laughs> very apt for me at the moment um and people come and see you or you go to them so i have a clinic space which is in the two local towns to us which is wellington in somerset and tiverton in devon so we're right on the border between devon and somerset that's a beautiful part of the world and you were saying just before we hit record how nice it is today it's it's like a summer's day out there it's incredible excellent um and do you have when people come and see you is there a very common thing they see you about do you tend to treat do people assume you can only treat very simple things no not at all a lot of what a herbalist will treat is things that they've tried everything and they end up on your doorstep hmm. or they might want a different approach something that's more natural to try and help them resolve a condition so as a medical herbalist we treat a wide range of things anything from sleeplessness raised blood pressure um, shingles all sorts of different things oh interesting so when you, you're a medical herbalist does that mean um, you only do uh, sort of natural remedies or do you dabble in both sides we um, so what we prescribe will all be plant-based that might be liquids or creams or we make teas and when we need to refer then we will um, tell people they need to go back to their GP but we work alongside what medicines a patient might be taking so we're trained to look at potential interactions between plants and pharmaceuticals and pharmaceuticals and plant-based medicine. Oh interesting and uh, obviously uh, more publicised uh, the rise in people going vegan has that also led to more people coming to see people like yourself? 
I think there is at the moment a big tide turning and people are looking at um, cooking for themselves, gardening, you know, allotments, natural health, you know, woodland crafts, all these things are seeing a huge resurgence. So I see it as part of that. And yes, more people are definitely interested in medicinal herbs in general, I would say. Yeah, and I'd, I'd go along with that, certainly from our side of things, growing growing herbs. Uh, we tend to, uh, because uh, it, I know a very, very small, minuscule amount of what you do, um, so I don't know much, so we tend to concentrate on the culinary side of things, mm -hmm. but even on the culinary side there's been a, a rise in people wanting to use their own herbs, um, and we do get, I know, people buying because they've researched or maybe spoke to someone like you, um, buying stuff for medicinal purposes so I think it's a really nice trend yeah I, I definitely agree with that and a lot of the herbs would be classified as foods so for example nettle which is springing up at this time of year it makes an absolutely delicious soup you can make fritters from it you can make a wild nettle pesto with some wild garlic maybe and you're getting loads of good benefits nutritionally and it's a great antihistamine so hay fever season it's fantastic oh brilliant i didn't know that about um about nettles it's uh, very high in vitamin c am i right yes it is excellent um and you make your own soaps and uh, are we are we calling them medicine uh, forgive me so medicines um yeah we make medicines oh, a woodpecker mm. has just landed on our bird feeder i oh, wish very you could nice. see it he's looking lovely um <laughs> yeah so i make a lot of what are called tinctures so they are water and alcohol extracts of plants. And as a herbalist, I get a special license from HMRC and I can buy 96% proof alcohol, which I then dilute down to the different percentages I need to make the different extracts from the different herbs. So I have a dispensary with lots of different jars with things steeping in it. And then I press them out after a month and then I have a bottle of that medicine. So whether that's something like dandelion roots, calendula, we do have you know more common things like fennel, the mints, and then we have some quite uncommon things as well. I'm growing licorice. Um, trying to think what else. We grow lots of different trees. So we've got hawthorn and elder, um, cramp bark, which is viburnum, uh, mm. a huge range of things. Wow, and um, you're growing these all yourself. So what sort of size plot have you got there? We're about five acres and we've, um, when we moved there was nothing here at all except a field and we've implemented an agroforestry scheme so we've planted hundreds of trees and then we've got growing glades in between the trees. Okay and you said you were registered with a soil association, is that uh, what you see as a, a necessity or you just chose to do that? Um, it's a necessity for some um, people we supply they they need you to have the registered organic status or the certified organic mm -hmm. status but it's also something that we believe in as well it shows that we are meeting a standard um, yeah. with our growing oh excellent um, and you mentioned uh, taking a slight step back you mentioned uh, dandelion root now that's something that's <laughs> probably growing in almost everyone's garden yeah. uh, what are you what are you using that for so dandelion root is a medicine that a herbalist would use specific for the digestion so it can help ease things like constipation it's also a bitter so it has a beneficial action to the liver but for yourself at home you can make a delicious da um, dandelion coffee 
by digging up the roots and slow roasting them and then grinding them and they contain lots of inulin which is a prebiotic yeah so a lot of people will talk about probiotics or beneficial bacteria mm -hmm. prebiotics feed those beneficial bacteria right so interesting and yeah. when you say roast them um just because i can imagine myself this afternoon digging something <laughs> up um what what temperature are you roasting that at? very low oven so you want to dig up your roots wash them and chop them and put them on a baking sheet in a very low oven till they're just dry and crispy and you've done this yourself yeah it's it's a very pleasant drink and something during the second world war that people did to you know increase the amount of foods they had available but it does taste very pleasant especially with cream and sugar in it <laughs> excellent um and i read on your website you make soaps as well yeah we make natural cold press soap so using the traditional methods and we use our own infused oils so things like calendula again we will infuse sunflower oil with the flowers and that's the basis of our soap so they're very good for your skin not too drying uh, great for babies and sensitive skin excellent and how long have you actually been running the business so we moved here on the 1st of april 2015 so four years nearly yeah very nearly congratulations that's really good thank you uh, when you say you moved there were you doing it previously to that so we live local to here before but just in a house with a normal size garden um, so I was in practice as a herbalist but we were always looking for an opportunity to get land based mm. and then this plot came up and we're part of the ecological land cooperative and this is their first site in the UK Oh, brilliant that's that's fantastic um, and obviously you're growing all of those plants and many of which you've mentioned are can be classed in fact in general circumstances are ornamental for lots of people as well but do you have uh, like a flower board or anything that you have uh, just to look at yes we love growing flowers I like to grow cut flowers because when I do a market stall it's always nice to have flowers on the stall so I grow things like sweet williams sweet peas lots of dahlias love dahlias hmm. um, mixed color calendula cosmos daisies have done very well sunflowers we also have a hive of bees so i try to include something for the bees as well oh brilliant and you're you've got that for pollination yeah excellent uh, and do you make your own honey as well the bees have lived here for nearly two years so we haven't taken any honey from them yet we've just been letting them build up but we've got hopes this year that they're they're really busy already so hopefully yeah, they're building up well i imagine it's been a good start of, uh, of the year for them a lot better than last year yeah definitely without <laughs> doubt yeah <laughs> um okay and do you get um do you get a lot of cynics um that that say that what you're doing is um not effective there are always cynics um i do a lot of talks to wis and gardening clubs and um yeah i'm happy always happy to answer people's questions Herbal medicine is the co most commonly used form of medicine globally. That's a World Health Organization statistic. It's our oldest form of medicine. Humans and plants evolved together, so we wouldn't have got this far without plants. Um, and now I like to think that we are modern medical herbalists and we're truly complementary, so we work with modern medicine as well. Hmm. 
Excellent. Um, and I think, like we said earlier, more and more people are turning to it. And I also think people are turning to it uh, to a certain degree without knowing about it. I was walking through through Tesco's uh, yesterday evening and uh, there's a lot more chamomile teas, there's a lot more yeah. fruit teas yeah. and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a lot of these herbs, as I said before, would be classified as food grade. So it's the crossover between food and herbs. So mm. they do have medicinal actions. Um, yeah. But they, have, they, have, they, you know, they taste nice and they make you feel good, which is great. Mm. And something that plagues everybody every single year, probably uh, almost without fail, uh, the common cold. Now, mm -hmm. there obviously, as far as I'm aware, there isn't a, a cure. Um, but what sort of things would you say to relieve something like that? So you want to look at antiviral herbs because colds are viruses which are annoying little things <laughs> and we called our small holding elder farm after the elder tree and elder flowers they've become incredibly popular you know elderflower cordial mm. which is great for hay fever it's an anti-allergy herb again and then in the autumn we get the elderberries and they are the strongest antiviral specific to the cold and flu virus that we have so elderberry syrup is your number one line of defence for your colds. Lots of research been done on it. It's the dark purple colour that contains the active constituents and it um, stops the virus getting into your cells and replicating. So if you start drinking elderberry syrup at the first sign of a sniffle, it can really um, lessen the length and severity of a cold. And that's something you can just buy over the counter? or make yourself you, right. yeah go foraging for your elderberries or plant a couple if you've got some garden space very mm -hmm. easy to make and you i used to make enough when my children were small to last the whole winter you know pack it away in the screw top jars and when anybody was coming down with something get a, a fresh bottle down and have it as a hot drink or just have a teaspoon three times a day oh excellent that's that's really interesting. Um, now, obviously, we're coming out of out, out of the winter now. Um, as a, a natural herbalist and obviously an organic um, a organic plot you've got there, mm -hmm. do you struggle to um, do things all year round? There are different jobs for different times of year. So we've been doing a lot of hedge laying over the winter, um, and now that spring is coming, we're looking at. Uh, weed management is obviously an issue but we've got various techniques to deal with that we do a lot of mulching um, we've had some sheep staying over the winter that have been grazing some of our growing glades ready for the start of spring um, just every year increase the range of things that we do and it's trial and error a lot of the time yeah yeah definitely as is all gardening really yeah uh, and pest control being organic is that something that is a bit of a struggle for you not a struggle but it's um, what we've concentrated on is having a lot of diversity in our planting so we've not got big areas of the same sorts of plants and we plant lots of companion plants so we're encouraging beneficial insects to come in we've put in a small pond to encourage frogs which um, naturally eat slugs. We have a small herd of Indian runner ducks that go up and down through the growing areas 
and they lived in the polytunnel over winter so they've effectively de-slugged that for us yeah brilliant um, so combinations of things that's what works well for us they're not something you want to get out uh during the summer are they <laughs> <laughs> we used to have ducks here yeah. um and it's amazing uh how they can turn a nice grass bit into into mud very very quickly yeah mucky ducks that's what they say isn't it yeah definitely yeah. um have you ever turned to biological control we haven't i mean it it's something that i would potentially consider if things got to that point i've heard some people have had great successes with it and for other people it's been very expensive mm. and only worked for a short time yeah it's one of those things um i think if you haven't got the right environment uh, and my father knows much more about this than i do but if you haven't got the right environment it can be very hard to get biological control established enough to to be beneficial mm -hmm. okay and you you mentioned uh, trial and error a bit earlier something we always ask people um by the sounds of it you had huge amounts of successes have you got any notable failures you can remember yeah the land that we're on is a heavy clay we're in heavy red devon clay so in the winter it's very very wet and in the summer it turns into concrete you know and cracks mm -hmm. so the first year we planted trees we did tea um, cut planting and a lot of the trees the soil shrunk away from the roots and then the little voles got in and ah. so we lo we lost quite a few trees now we make sure that we backfill with a bit of compost and mulch when we plant new trees Mm -hmm. and things like apple trees we've got a mixed fruit orchard we've created raised mounds so they're not sat with their roots in cold wet soil over the winter right right um and uh you've got quite quite nice weather as far as the uk is concerned um that's obviously helping with with that sort of stuff i imagine during the summer um do you get a lot of rainfall there uh, last year i mean the what's happened is the weather has become much more unpredictable so we did a lot of planting in April last year, just before the dry spell started, and then we had that incredibly dry summer, and we we hardly had any significant rain at all throughout the summer, so we had to do a lot more irrigating, and who knows what it's going to do this year. It's, it's unbelievably unpredictable, isn't it? We live, um, as the crow flies, I'm guessing around about four miles from the uh, lowest rainfall place in the UK um, right. and it's quite interesting we can see from where we are the rain clouds going round us mm -hmm. um, now we're predominantly a greenhouse nursery uh, so we right. even one of the most frustrating things uh, when you run a greenhouse nursery is that you can often be watering while it's raining outside yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a bit of a shame but uh, something you just get used to um, but it, you're right, it's becoming much more unpredictable. Yeah, and um, we're hopefully having another pond built because it's a sensible idea to store as much water as you mm. can on your plot. And we're also completely off-grid, so we have no main services at all. Mm. Excellent. So is that a bit of a challenge or, or something that you haven't noticed too much? Um, I mean, it's... In the winter, all our, uh, most of our electricity is solar produced, but we've also had a wind turbine installed. So like when it's windy, you're generating, which is great. Um, we've got a borehole and rainwater harvesting. 
which you know last year when everything was getting so dry that was a little bit frightening you know boreholes mm. do dry up sometimes so you've got to make yourself as resilient as possible and that's what we've concentrated on used a lot of permaculture techniques it sounds like you've got a bit of a good life going on there <laughs> um we this is what we've always wanted to do is put into practice you know the ideas that we've learned through permaculture we did a lot of woofing when our children were small mm-hmm. so we visited different organic farms and now we are lucky enough to be able to put it all into practice and you say we that's my husband Stuart mm-hmm. so we um, live here and our youngest is still at home she's 15 and we've got two older children that live in Bristol that like to come and visit so do they get um, roped back in when a lot of planting's got to be had <laughs> They, they are prepared to help, you know, they've not gone into careers around growing, but they do like coming to the farm. Um, we also have a lot of animals here, we've got the ducks, some geese, um, and they like helping out with the animals as well, which is nice. Excellent, brilliant. Um, and uh, when you were first starting to get into it, and now we're talking um, sort of before you'd even done your studies and things like that, do you remember a book or a TV programme or maybe a person that really sparked your interest to begin with it was reading a copy of permaculture magazine a very long time ago um, that a friend picked up when she'd gone to bristol and just looking at all these different ideas um, and that really inspired us to um, look at training and i went and did my design course in 1997 in permaculture design excellent Um, and uh, sorry you did say husband, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and your husband, is he trained at all? Yes, he is. He did a course with Patrick Whitefield in 2000. Okay, excellent, brilliant. Um, and while you're walking around the plot looking at everything that needs doing and things like that, do you have any particular tools or equipment that you just can't be without? I have got a copper trowel, and I love it. So <laughs> for um, planting it's just the best thing it's so strong and it's so sharp and apparently it's got beneficial actions to repel slugs because of the copper Hmm. Um, so I love my copper trowel Um, trying to think what else walking around the plot just I carry a tool belt that's always got my most useful tools in it which is like normally a knife a bit of string things like that so Hmm. never set off without having your tool belt on no, because no, you're always spot something that needs doing. Oh, without a doubt, in yeah, in yeah. any garden. And by the sounds of it, you've got so many different things that must be very true for you. Um, so, how do people actually get in touch with you? How would people um, come and see you? How does that work? We have a website which is elderfarm.co.uk where you can look and see what we're doing and see where I practice and see the courses that we're running as well. We have a summer school in June every year where people can come and learn how to make um, herbal medicines for themselves and their families, which is very popular. Mm. And we do different courses throughout the year and we're going to have an open day later in the year as well. Oh, brilliant. Do you know when that will be? We're waiting to confirm the date because we run it as a joint venture with our two neighbours as well. So you get the chance to see three plots on one day. Oh, excellent. Brilliant. Um, And the courses that you run, what what sort of things will they cover? So the summer school is five days, Monday to Friday. We look at 
um, cultivated herbs and wild herbs and what different medicines you can make with them. We also do natural cream making, soap making and when you leave you've got your own herbal first aid kit so the knowledge and the skills to treat your friends and family. Oh, brilliant um, and that can be pre-booked by people? Yes it can. Excellent what do they do they email you or get in touch? Yeah get in touch through the website there's my email address. Brilliant um, so Helen thank you very much for joining us um, it's been really really interesting and this afternoon I'm, I'm going to go and start digging up some dandelion. Brilliant <laughs> all right well yeah. nice to talk to you. Yeah really nice to talk to you thank you. All right. Thank you bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.